0: This is the Project Upland Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode of the show, we talk a new upland hunting vest with the guys from Hunt Ready. Welcome to the show for episode number 97. Project and Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt. Creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Use the promo code PUP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. And by Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. Out in the field, how you prepare determines how you perform. With balanced fat and protein to support peak condition in your bird dog, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food enhances strength, energy, and endurance. So when that tailgate finally drops, you and your dogs are ready for anything. Strong, focused, ready for anything, that is a Yukanuba dog. And by Gumleaf USA. High quality, handcrafted, premium rubber boots that stand the test of time. I got a new pair of the Viking Techs, which are very similar to my standard Viking models. However, these do not have the full length neoprene lining. So they're a little bit lighter weight and they are a little bit better for mild and warmer temperatures. So far, loving them. They've got all the same features that I love about Gumly Boots. Durable rubber, super comfortable, Vibram sole. They can go just about anywhere and do just about anything. They'll keep your feet dry and comfortable. Comfortable, check out Gumleaf Foods by visiting gumleafusa.com. Use the promo code PUP10 to save 10% from Gumleaf USA. And by CZ USA Shotguns. Shotguns designed with the Upland Hunter in mind from the Bob White and Sharptail side-by-sides to the Upland Ultralight Wing Shooter Elite over-and-unders. They got semi-autos, they got pumps. If you're in the market for a new shotgun for bird hunting, CZ USA has you covered. Head over to cz-usa to learn more about all their shotguns. And by Turnbull Restoration, the most recognized name in antique and vintage firearm restoration, period correct metal finishes, and custom reproductions of iconic firearms. Turnbull has been dedicated to the faithful and accurate restoration of classic American shotguns, rifles, and handguns for over 35 years. If you want to see more from Turnbull Restoration and you want to learn more about what they can do, head over to turnbullrestoration.com forward slash upland to see a photo essay documenting the entire restoration process of a Parker shotgun shotgun that's turnbullrestoration.com forward slash upland and finally by dakota 283 kennels kennels built to last a lifetime one piece rotomold design frame steel door everything you and your dog need in a kennel for a safe and successful hunting trip head over to dakota283.com to check out their kennels and all the products from dakota283 all right this week's winner of the podcast giveaway is jared jared left us a review on itunes project upland t-shirt headed his way very soon Anybody listening could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway. All you have to do is leave us a rating, leave us a review in your podcast app, click those stars and leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast share the podcast, or send us some feedback or a guest suggestion. We'd love to hear from our listeners. You can email me at nick.larson@northwoodscollective.com. at northwoodscollective.com. All right, one quick announcement for you. If you haven't heard or you haven't been following along, I have started doing something pretty fun on Friday nights. It's a YouTube live stream dubbed the Hunter's Happy Hour Doing it in tandem with a few of my friends in the podcasting world, Ron Bame of the Hunting Dog Podcast, Tyler Webster of the Birds, Booze, and Buds Podcast, along with Doug from Soggy Dog Gear. We've been having a lot of fun with it. We've started to invite guests on. This week, coming up on Friday, we have a special guest from OnX Hunt, proud partner of the Project Upland Podcast. We have a lot of fun doing it. It's available for live stream. You can also check it out after the fact. There's three episodes up. It's been a ton of fun. People are commenting, watching, following along. We're just trying to do something a little bit different to provide some entertainment and some relief for ourselves. Another excuse to chat bird dogs, up and hunting, gear, all the fun stuff that we talk about here on the podcast in a slightly different format. So check out the Hunter's Happy Hour on YouTube. Coming at you live Friday nights, 7 p.m. Central for the time being. That may change in the future, but for now, that's where it's at. Check it out. I'll drop a link in the show notes. All right, we're going to jump right into today's episode with our guests, Heath Saner and Jared Stewart of Hunt Ready. Hunt Ready is a new to the market upland hunting company. They released a hunting vest, launched it at Pheasant Fest earlier this year where I got to check it out. I had a conversation with Heath and Jared last week about the Hunt Ready story, how they came to be upland hunting entrepreneurs, why they chose to design a vest, and we talked all about the Hunt Ready vests that are available for pre-order today. I hope you enjoy this one. I hope you learn more about Hunt Ready vests. And if you have questions and are interested, you're going to find out how to get a hold of Heath and Jared over at Hunt Ready towards the end of the show. So with that said, let's welcome into the conversation and onto the Project Upland podcast of Hunt Ready, Heath Sainer and Jared Stewart. And with that, I'd like to welcome everybody back to another episode of the Project Upland podcast. I'm your host, Nick Larson, and here with me today are two guests to talk about Uh, An exciting new brand and product offering in the upland hunting space. This is the time of year, I think, when a lot of people are reflecting back on their seasons and maybe thinking about gear and thinking about things that they want to initiate in the upcoming season. So excited to have these two gentlemen here with me. And we'll start with Heath. Heath, could you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to Hunt Ready.
1: Hey, Nick. So thanks for having us on first. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, big fan of podcasts, so it's a, little, uh, it's a little surreal to be on this end of it, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Heath Saner with uh, Hunt Ready, one of the co-founders. Um, I, uh, from the Southwest Missouri area, have uh, hunted you know, most of my life. Um, actually started as a toddler. Uh, my great-grandma would take me out in the fields and, uh, run trap lines and, and chase squirrels and rabbits. Uh, and then from there it's just been, you know, uh, uh, turkey, deer, um, out west, uh, chasing some big game. And then over the last probably 10 to 15 years or so really got into upland heavily. Um, and so I'm sure we can dive into that a little bit further later, but that's, that's kind of my story.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, also with us is Jared Stewart. Jared, introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Jared Stewart, uh, the other co-founder of Hunt Ready, and uh, uh, yeah, just uh, kind of similar story to Heath. Actually, uh, uh, grew up, you know, in a family of hunters, and um, memories of you know my grandmother was a, a hunter. She was, you'd find her in a stand hunting whitetail, and kind of you know, just always, uh, you know, didn't really think anything of it, uh, at the time, you know, to have a grandma that was a hunter and, and yeah. a fisher, fisher woman and, and then, uh, have memories of, you know, my dad taking me to deer camp at, uh, my grandfather's and all the uncles and cousins getting together and doing that. And, uh, then just, you know, we kind of just hunted about everything and, uh, ended up, I'm a Kansas, uh, boy by birth, uh, moved to Missouri, uh, I think Heath and I we just connected early on when I moved in and uh, kind of been buddies and you know running through fields and uh, kind of getting into all kinds of trouble together. <laughs> so uh, and yeah, just pretty much uh, been a been a hunter my whole life. So
0: good deal. Uh, you you touched on it a little bit there, Jared, but I was curious what what was the initial connection between you and Heath? How did you guys meet up? Was it upland hunting or was it something else?
2: Uh, I think we just. Uh, probably naturally gravitated to each other. We were, you know, just we're country boys like to get out hunt and fish. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily that, that, you know, upland bird hunting was the connection, but just being outdoors in general, riding four wheelers together, um, you know, pond jumping, all kinds of stuff like that. So I think that was, you know, pretty much, we had a bunch of the same passions and love, uh, for the outdoors.
0: Yeah. Got it. Heath, uh, bird dogs, they part of the picture for you?
1: Yes. Yes. I have, uh, two bird dogs myself. Uh, I have a uh, Brittany. Uh, he's about eight or so. Um, he's the first bird dog that I ever took on from a pop, trained myself. I'd say trained. I mean, I think we probably trained each other and him, him more training me than, right. than, than the other way around uh, as that normally goes, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I also have a, uh, have a drought. And then my daughter actually has a Vishla pup that, that she, uh, worked for and and saved up for and got, and it's taken the lead on training as well. So, so within my household, I've got three. Um,
2: that's my story on the bird
1: dog side.
0: Excellent. How about you, Jared?
2: Yeah, I've, uh, I've got a five-year-old black lab who's, who's, a better duck dog than he is uh upland dog and then uh right out about a year ago I bought a uh yellow lab from a kennel out of Kansas and uh primarily with the um idea to that he was gonna be an upland primarily dog and so kind of the same boat. It's uh it's it's been an adventure with him. He's uh he's bird crazy. Um but we're still kinda of working on getting his manners right and, you know, um, getting him uh, to a point where he's he's a little bit, you know, uh, maybe a little bit more on the uh, manageable side of the field, if you will. <laughs> and then uh, I actually just kind of ran into, I had a buddy that uh, had a uh, GSP and had got it. And it didn't work out. And I'd kind of always wanted one. Um, but just the lifestyle that we live is like, I didn't know if it was ever really going to be a good fit. But uh, we got we got that little guy, uh, right after the new year and, uh, man been loving that. That's just a uh, kind of a whole new experience for us. So, um, pretty, pretty cool actually.
0: So you got, you got three as well. You guys have some dog power.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that are some expensive food
0: bills.
1: <laughs> yeah. It makes, uh, it makes road trips, you know, into the uplands interesting at times, uh, yeah. to pack that many dogs. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 I'll tell you though the the cool thing about that is um getting to hunt with with such a variety right mm-hmm. I mean between the different breeds um you know they and each dog even right has its own personality and and I don't want to say strengths and weaknesses but things that they excel at right and are good at um so that's been fun it's been pretty cool uh we've got a group of guys that we hunt with um pretty regularly and they have um even a few more breeds so uh, it's a it's a pretty good time i know you're a setter guy or at least i think so Uh, yeah yeah i stumbled into
0: being a setter guy and i guess that's what i am because i have one dog and he's a setter but
1: (laughs) yeah well and so you know it's it's just fun the different types of breeds that 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 you know you get exposed to and, and get a chance to hunt with as you as you expand the group of people that you, you know, know in the uplands and get a chance to hunt with. So.
0: Yeah. I think you raise an interesting point, or I guess it's something that I think about often, especially being somebody that's on their first bird dog, you know, he'll be six in, in June. So I've, you know, I'm six years into this, which I've certainly learned a lot in the last six years, but you know, think of how, how intimately well, you know, your dogs and then, you know, how hard it is to get to intimately know others' dogs. I mean, you might have a close hunting partner that you hunt with them a lot, but, you know, unless you're a pro trainer or somebody that, you know, you have lots of dogs all the time, it's like, how how could you really intimately know the differences between one breed or another? Because, again, so much of it comes back to that, I think, that individual dog, like you mentioned, he. So I think about that a lot, and I certainly appreciate any chance I get to hunt with or see another dog just, again, for another you know, another reference point as far as like what makes each dog unique and how they do things differently.
1: Yeah, very much so. We, um, it, it reminds me of something that, um, we, uh, it's been probably 10 years ago or so through, uh, through, uh, a forum, pheasant hunting, ultimate pheasant hunting forum.com. I think, um, I just, long story short, I, I made a connection with an individual, um, and, uh, he, he just happened to be a retired, uh, trainer, uh, had a plantation, his family had a plantation down South and, um, he invited us up to, to, uh, South Dakota to, to hunt with him, just kind of through that forum. Um, and the thing that, that, has been so interesting to me, you know, to your point about the different dogs and personalities, um, someone that's been around, that many dogs for that long. I think he trained for like 40 years or so, just the things they pick up on. Right. And, and, and I think for us, or for me, at least I've learned so much from Tony, his name's Tony Clark, um, that just being in the field and spending time with people like that, it's amazing how much you can absorb, you know, um, informally, you know, it's not a, it doesn't have to be a book or a, a video or anything like that. Just trying to find people that can mentor you in the field and um I I've appreciated the uh upland community and, and how open it's been, I think. Um I've learned a lot from a lot of people. Yeah. Um and encourage those that that may be hesitant, right, to jump in or to get that first dog. Um, find those people that you can learn from and and uh and and be uh, mentored by, and then down the road, try and find opportunities to do that and pay it forward.
0: Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like you said, the Upland community, I think, is very it's very open as far as, like, reaching out and talking to people, and you can get a lot of information. With the bird dogs thing is that interesting wrinkle where you can, you know, you get a lot of armchair quarterbacking <laughs> and you can get sure. a, lot of, sure. a lot of cheap bird dog advice on Facebook, but I think that just, it strengthens the point that you make to, you know, do your best to find those people that really do have that genuine experience and the ability to read dog behavior because you need to have a few of those people and keep them close because their advice is going to be way more valuable than you know the stuff you're gonna find on Facebook and that's the that's the unique thing about bird dogs because that's they're animals and animal behavior is it's it goes a lot deeper than talking about yeah. shot size or chokes or you know side by side or over under that kind of stuff
1: yeah it's those little things it's it's been amazing um yeah
0: what is your primary we'll talk a little bit more about upland hunting i think later on but i just want to get this like sure. what is your primary upland hunting pursuits look like i mean are you are you hunting pheasant and quail there in missouri are you doing a lot of traveling what does that look like jared if you want to tee off on that
2: yeah i uh really enjoy uh going after the quail and the pheasant um you know as he said um I kind of piggybacked on his coattails. I had found myself kind of in a place in my career and with family where I was just extremely busy. And he said, Hey man, let's get together. I've got, you know, some opportunities to go up to South Dakota and, and would love for you to, you know, make a trip with us and kind of just, we had, uh, uh I didn't really explain this, but I got married, moved to Oklahoma, my wife's from Oklahoma. And so kind of Heath and I, you know, just, weren't able to connect like we'd used to in the past, so um, I think it was just kind of a a start for me to kind of get back on track with kind of you know one of my childhood buddies, and uh, so we we made the trek to South Dakota and just absolutely uh, fell in love with it, and um, again just had a great time, and so that's kind of been an annual trip for us um, to always put that on the books and and make that happen, and then uh, yeah, it's just kind of you know, it's the bug, right? You just you get bitten by it and next thing you know, it's uh it's you know more shotguns, it's dogs, yeah. <laughs> it's multiple dogs, it's you know, so it just it just ramps up quick quickly. And uh again, it's just it's being out in, in nature and experiencing all of it, watching the dogs work. I mean, it just whether you're killing birds or not, I mean it's just being out there in in excitement. So I think last year, uh this last season, um South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma. So those are the primary States that, you know, we were, we were going and looking for birds. So. It's cool.
1: Yeah. And for me, it's, you know, geographically, right. I mean, it's part of it is just the proximity by which you can make a trip, right. On on a, you know, three, four day trip or, or, or whatever. Um, so the Dakotas, Nebraska and, and, Nebraska' is kind of one of those hidden gems in that it it offers some some significant diversity um in terms of both terrain and uh species so um between you know sharp tailed uh, grouse um you got pheasant quail obviously um and then um Kansas with prey chickens um pheasant quail as well oklahoma with Jared and then missouri um and I have an opportunity here in Missouri um, with some woodcock, um, so there's oh, opportunity yeah, sure. to, to, to get into that. Um, and then I, I do a lot of waterfowl as well, which, which may have been obvious with my um, statements in terms of breeds, uh, but I duck hunt with both my Brittany and my Draught actually, so uh, some waterfowl in there as well.
0: Oh, when is the, when is the Missouri Woodcock season? You know, wh- I mean, I can, I could probably piece it together just based on what I know of them flying through, but are you talking December, November, December?
1: Uh, it is earlier than that. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the exact dates are off the top of my head, but it is, okay. it is earlier in the season. I want to say, well, I'd hate, to, I'd hate to put a date out there. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. Earlier. I was just asking generally
0: anyways, but yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, and you, you have gotten out to pursue them, uh, as they're, as they're flying through before.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, it is challenging. It's, you know, the yeah. cover is, the cover's tough. It's nasty. Um, actually, you know, to be honest, I stumbled into it, uh, early on. Um, sure. I was actually looking for new habitat on, on public ground to, uh, chase bobwhite quail and just got into Woodcock, right. And the dog doesn't know the difference. So, um, you know, started getting some points and then started kind of putting it together in terms of the habitat, right. A little more wet, a little more moisture, um, yep. that, that, um, a lot of habitat around, um, like lakes and, and, and rivers, right. Mm-hmm. That, that edge material. Um, and then if you can find that row crop, that's what I was looking for, right. For quail and just stumbled into them. So. It just opened up a whole nother world out of upland, so it's made sense. Do, to keep doing will
0: it. you find will you find woodcock and quail overlapping, or are they are they typically maybe close but separate? Close. Okay.
1: But at least in my experience, and I'm by no sure, means yeah. a subject matter expert here, but yep. um, yeah, close. Your 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 quail are typically a little further away from the the level of moisture that I find the woodcock in. Um, yeah. cool
0: awesome all right guys well let's let's transition a little bit and and definitely talk we want to dive into hunt ready and cover that side of things before we maybe uh project into the future a little bit later on but let's get the hunt ready story i mean this is this is a new company it's a new brand i think if people are on the familiar channels the upland channels facebook and instagram and and they've been paying attention to upland hunter upland hunting the way that i do they probably have seen hunt ready but i'm i'm hoping that we're going to educate a lot of folks and inform them on a little bit deeper deeper look at what hunt ready is what you guys are trying to provide to the upland hunting community and excited to learn more so uh, i don't know if heath or jared wants to start up on that but let's just start from the beginning
1: yeah so i can i can jump in first um yeah for us it was you know Jared alluded to the fact that years and years ago we started making the annual run with with a core group of guys up to south Dakota, and you know from southwest Missouri that's a decent amount of windshield time and uh you know we just started talking about you know the gear options that were available uh to the upland market and and um you know started bouncing ideas around about you know a lot of what ifs right like well, yep. what if we could what if we could create something that you know, was uh lightweight yet durable. You know, that was highly configurable, right, to meet the needs of of you know, the various types of pursuit that, you know, even we find ourselves in, right? From cattail sloughs in South Dakota to the scrub brush in Oklahoma, right? The hardwoods in Missouri, you know, the 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 various terrain in Nebraska, right? The so So that lightweight yet durable was was something we we talked a lot about, and then the configuration I think was really what at least a key design aspect I think that we kind of zeroed in on early and and wanted to pursue and so that led us down a path right of of researching different types of technologies and um you know who does configuration well you know what what markets are verticals. Um, and in, you know, that, that really led me down the military path, right? The tactical gear market, right? That's about Mm -hmm. as configurable as you can get when you're talking about gear and things that might overlap, right? At the time, you know, it was just an idea. Um, and so that really was kind of the spark, right? That, um, led us down that path. And that was, that was numerous years ago, um, and so, you know, Hunt Ready then became, um, an idea, right? From a, from a, uh, upland road trip and, and led us down the pathway of pursuing partners. And, and that's where we, we found First Spear, uh, which has been, you know, a key partner of ours, uh, in this venture. Uh, they, uh, produce, uh, gear for military law enforcement agencies really globally. I mean, they're a global provider. Um, and having had the opportunity to, to, to get a behind the scenes look at their technology, uh, and their facilities, um, that really is what I think sold us down that path and their excitement to work with us, really. Um, they were, they were very excited. Um, they're, they're located just outside of St. Louis. Uh, so we spent quite a bit of time, uh, working with those guys uh, coming up with ideas, um, on, on what we could do and how we might be able to do it. And so from there, I mean, it, you know, it was about, about design, about field testing, about a lot of prototyping, um, coming up with, with what we wanted and what we would be proud to put our names on. And, um, so Jared, I don't know if you have any other thoughts there or any additional aspects of how we got here, but.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think Heath nailed it pretty well, but I, I think a lot of it too is just we kinda once we decided to do this is like let's just build our dream vest. If we can build anything, you know, let's build our dream vest. And so we were building it for ourselves first and foremost. And then uh hunting with the crew that we do. Um we were all wearing different vests and we were just listening, you know, to the things that people feedback were, you know, people were giving us or and this was just again <laughs> We're just, when you sit in a truck for, you know, yep. 10, 11, 12 hour drives, you, you start thinking all kinds of crazy things, <laughs> So, but then it just kind of became a reality for us. And, and honestly, some, uh, some pieces really fell into place. And, and like he said, first period was a, which a huge, huge, uh, part of that puzzle, um, uh, just being able to work with them and, and leverage some of their technologies. But it really was for me, just the ability to create a dream vest, if you will. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I, you know, I suspect other. I know that other pursuits are like this. You know, deer hunters, turkey hunters. Every, we're, we're, we tend to be gear nuts, really, and and whether or not upland hunters are even more so gear nuts than than other uh, forms of hunting. That I guess that's uh, <clears throat> that would be everybody's opinion, but. Certainly, gear is one of those things that it gets talked about in the truck on long drives. I mean, I I imagine you guys were having the same conversations that happens in a lot of trucks every fall. You know, guys talking about gear and what vest are you wearing and this and that. Interestingly, though, you decided to you know take action and and see what you could see what you could come up with and like you said, Jared, build your dream vest. So sounds like you kind of narrowed down narrowed down the vest early. I don't know if you did you talk about other pieces of gear? Is that like is that in the, in consideration for the future or is hunt ready strictly Vess?
1: So I wouldn't, <clears throat> I mean, I definitely wouldn't say strictly Vess. I mean, I yeah. think, um, you know, from, from my perspective, at least, um, you know, one, one, one thing I'll, I'll throw out there, right. Is, is doing my own training right from a dog perspective, like the platform could really be extended. And, and something I want to do is, you know, um, training belts or, or or harness rigs of some sort, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. For those, you know, it gets pretty warm down here and and I don't want to wear a full rig, you know, training dogs and yep. uh, early season hunting, dove hunting, you know, things of that nature. Um, I think the platform, because everything is so interchangeable, could really expand well uh, and provide um, provide products that that would I think overlap, you know, f- pretty well.
0: Yeah, you got my wheels turning. Like you guys could you could do a <clears throat> I'm I'm thinking about sporting clays. You know, I'm getting excited to shoot sporting clays once right. we can once we can actually get back out and do stuff like that. But you know, I've always the sporting clays belt I have is interesting. I have just a, it's just a waist belt, which I kind of like for some reasons, because you're usually shooting in good conditions and, and that feels, you know, it feels right at the time. But then like when it gets closer to hunting season, I'll start wearing my hunting vest to the sporting clays range Cause it's like, I want to practice like, you know, I'm, I'm actually hunting and wearing that vest and kind of work through some of that stuff. I, you know, I wonder if a lightweight, sporting clays type vest that could be you know you could you could most people when they sell something like that they market it as like a dove dove vest or us or a sporting clays vest but something that maybe actually had shoulder straps so it was like kind of simulating the real experience i mean stuff like that i mean yeah there's there's any number of directions that you guys could go which is kind of interesting before we talk about the vest specifically i want to get the timeline straight because you guys just launched. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I know that this has been years in the making, and there's been lots of field testing and stuff. So, but like your public launch was was earlier this year. Pheasant Fest was was a big event for you guys. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yep. Pheasant Fest was the official launch. Okay. Um, we've had, you know, a number of uh, pre-production units. I guess you would say, right? Sure. Um, that uh, we've t- we've tested and had guys you know, uh, run through the paces in the field. Um, and then earlier than that, right. We had numerous prototype versions, right. That we tweaked on and all that kind of stuff yeah. over the last probably, I'm going to guess three or four years, really, uh, three years for sure. Um, and so that, that's kind of the rough timeline. I mean, uh, the ideation phase started, you know, much earlier than that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know, I know guys that have, have have gone through this process, understand, um, I'm super excited to have like a a hunting gear company, right? I mean, that's like as a hunter and and an outdoorsman my whole life, like, you know, that's one of those things that a lot of people talk about, right. Um, but being here, it, it, it takes a lot more or getting to this place where you have something that you, you know, you're, you can use in the field and you're, it has your logo on it, right? That's it's it's pretty cool, uh, pretty stressful,
2: <laughs>
1: you know. And and, and and uh, there's a lot of hurdles to get through, but it's worth it. Um, and whether or not our vest resonates with someone or not, uh, that's fine. I mean, there there's some great right. options out on the market. Um, yep. um, but but we are proud to have gotten here and have something that we're excited about uh, and, and excited to use in the field. Uh, so I, I definitely you know, wanted to, wanted to throw that out there just, um, that, that while it takes time and effort, uh, if you've got an idea, chase it, like it's, it's worth it. Um, and see where it goes because you never know if you don't try.
0: Right. Yeah. You guys took action on this and here you are, you know, you've got a company, you're selling vests. What's the current status of hunt ready? Are, are vests in stock and available to order? Are
1: you still taking pre-orders? What's going on there? So we, excuse me we are in pre-order phase still okay um we have a batch uh coming in the next few weeks that will probably get us to a point of having more of our traditional inventory status um and um, accessories and pouches pockets water bottles that kind of stuff will, will be will be online as well so we're getting very close to that traditional inventory model
0: okay Don't want to overlook this either. Significance to the name Hunt Ready? uh, You know, Hunt is H-U-N-T, but then Ready is R-E-D-I. You guys maybe have addressed this on social media or something, but any significance to the name? How did that come about?
1: Jared, you can take that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, my career is in IT, and we have an acronym for everything. So we were just kind of thinking about, you know, Heath is a marketing guy, and he's got a lot of just – you know we're kicking around ideas what what do we name this thing and you know it's kind of like this concept of ready for anything or you know the the key uh component of you know maximum con- configurability and the best and and so he was just like you know what about ready and i was like yeah i, I like that i mean it's it's got a ring to it but you know i wonder if we can uh, you know do a play on or an acronym somehow just to kind of drive the point home And so Uh, We just kind of came up with a unique, you know, REDI and it's just reliable equipment driving inspiration. And it was just kind of, you know, to us, it was like, you know, the, 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 the system itself is being very durable. Um, You know, again, that, that, uh, you know, just chasing after our dreams, if you will. It just, it just kind of seemed to be something that resonated with both of us and still kind of be, something that people could remember. And then I think the uniqueness it's, it's hard from a, from a brand launch perspective. It's like ready, like art, you know, how do you spell that? Like, <laughs> but yep. now that we've kind of been able to gain a little bit of traction, you know, I think, uh, uh, it's starting to resonate with people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you guys, you I think you did I think you did well with it. I mean I I guess maybe that's just me, but I I'm kind of a fan of when something like that has a little bit deeper meaning. So I, I like the inspiration and and the stuff behind it. But yeah, the, as the brand awareness builds, you'll uh, you probably get people did you have to buy any other uh, website handles to make sure people people go to the right spot
1: <laughs> <laughs> we' we have definitely had to go down those roads
0: sure. <laughs> i'm I'm familiar with that in in uh, a few of my my past projects so yeah I know how that goes but um okay let's talk about the vest yep could you let's let's just this is audio obviously only so it would be much easier if people could look at a picture of this, and we'll make sure there's links and stuff. But let's hear it from you guys. Let's hear kind of a, a verbal description of the vest, and maybe what you are trying to accomplish with, with each one of the foundational features, and then we'll talk about sort of the modularity of it.
1: Okay. Uh, and I can I can take a stab at it first, and and uh, sure. So- as mentioned earlier, one of the key things that we we wanted to try and achieve was, was the configurability, right. To yep. make it, to make it an option for uplanders to, to tweak and change based on, you know, their own unique needs. Um, you know, whether it be species driven, right. Or terrain driven or just personal preferences, right. Or, or all of the above. Um, and so, so that the, the platform or the technology that we looked for first was around that. And then once we, once we nailed that down and felt like we had, you know, a very strong option, uh, to, to, to build around, um, it, it, it then went into, um, there, there was two main design elements, at least from, from my perspective that I really wanted to achieve. And that first was weight distribution. Uh, I mentioned that the technology in the platform is lightweight, um, and, and there's, uh, you know, on our website, depending upon how you configure it, you can add up all the different weights of everything, right? But, but you know, a fully configured vest is going to run somewhere in the, you know, probably three to four pound-ish range. Um, so, but then, as you know, right, you throw throw a box of shells or, or two, depending on what you're doing. You load down with water yep. for your dogs, you, you know, all of that. So, um, you know, we spend a lot of time in the outdoors, whether it be hiking, camping, you know, so, so having that fundamental, um, weight distribution, uh, on the core, right. So, so really the belt, uh, is where we started to make sure that, that we could evenly distribute weight, take that off the shoulders, reduce the stress um, you know, for, for long days in the field, uh, w- was, was really kind of where we started. Um, and so, you know, the, 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 belt itself is, is, is pretty heavily padded. Uh, there's some additional lumbar support in the back. Um, and then, um, from there, you know, it was about ease of use. Um, you know, for me personally, one of my pet peeves is, uh, when I'm in the field, you know, and I'm trying to shove a bird in the pouch or grab a water bottle or reinsert a water bottle after I water the dog, you know, I'd, I want to be able to do all that one-handed because I'm always, you know, you're always holding a shotgun, right? Yeah. And so a lot of the design from there went down that path, right? Of, of tweaking measurements of the size of the belt, tweaking where the where the access to the bird pouch was, right? When you reached back to make all that as natural as we could, and then started to design around that. So, so, you know, the belt itself distributes that weight, or that, that is our objective in that. And so that's where you start really, when you, when you go to get sized and fitted on one. Uh, On the outside of the belt uh, is where the platform comes in, right, and allows you to change pouches, pockets, Really, however you want to arrange it um and and obviously, we sell you know upland inspired type type pockets and pouches, but the cool thing about you know the first spear platform is that it's also backwards compatible with your your standard molly or pals yeah uh, webbing and uh so that provides the ability really to then open up to any of your tactical you know, gear that that falls into that standard Molly um, uh, system, um, and so we added that as well to the sides of the game pouch and to the back of the game pouch. Um, so you know, there's a lot of configuration capability on the on the sides and the back and you know, the rear of it, um, and then you know, added in some permanent storage on the back as well. Um, so you know, for hats gloves whatever you know the typical stuff you would carry uh small first aid kits um there's an internal security pouch in there that you can shove wallet keys cell phone you know anything that you don't want to have fall out accidentally you know if you're digging through the to the back um yeah and then the harness the the shoulder yoke and everything uh working with first spear they um they manufacture everything um for a company called hill people. Um, and they do a lot of big game packs, um, camping, hiking, that type of stuff. So, so we were able to leverage their harness design actually. Um, they, they collaborated with us on that and let us use that. So, so you'll see some pretty, you'll see some similarities between our harness, our yoke and and theirs. Um, so that was just kind of one of the benefits that we got along the way. Um, yeah. So, high level i mean that's kind of the hope that's what you're trying to get out there nick but
0: yeah i i would say that that's a that's a good description of sort of the foundation of the vest and and really i mean what you guys have brought to market is what i would consider not a i'm not trying to say that it's uh, like it's a it's a strap vest with a yep. weight belt and sh- and shoulder straps a waist belt and shoulder straps it's it's a very traditional looking strap vest in in that sense of things but the modularity and the customizability i would say is probably the most unique aspect of the hunt ready vest and that's one of the things that i was talking to you about heath and we just had the conversation that i think you know most upland hunters would have together talking about vests and talking about how i set up mine and and how you set up Yours, And that was one of the interesting things, Heath, you talked about when you guys were, and I don't think this will come as a surprise to anybody, but when you guys were testing this stuff, you know, each one of you, the individuals in your group would kind of set up their vest differently. And, and I don't know if it was the chicken or the egg, if that was sort of a light bulb moment to say, Hey, we need to have this uh, customizable and, and modular, or if you were already thinking along those lines. I mean, Jared, what was uh, what was it like when you guys were putting this stuff together?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> you kind of hit on a key point where we, where we started to see, man, I think this thing has got some traction to it because, uh, we did get this vest on guys that were going with us and we're all chasing after the same species, but we're, we just kind of have that moment where we look around it's like, everybody's vest is set up completely different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just goes back to, to kind of the whole, the whole idea of just, uh, maximum configurability. We, you know, Heath, Heath is a lefty shooter. So his vest is backwards to me. <laughs> so, you know, just, just thinking from the simple things that guys are dealing with in the field, um, you know, he, I, I'm one of those guys where I really want no obstruction across the front of my body. I want clean mount to the shoulder with my shotgun. Uh, I don't want things, you know, obstructing that at all. I want just kind of a wide open feel. And so, um, you know, just knowing that, You know, where Heath is, he, you know, he doesn't mind to to have more real estate on the belt, has some, uh, you know, some options to, to put some more uh, um, pockets and pouches on it. You know, it, again, it's just to, to your uh, spec, however you want to hunt, whatever makes you feel comfortable in the field. Um, I'm bad enough shot as it is. So (laughs) I used to just blame it on, you know, well, I can't get a clean mount to my shoulder. So now I've kind of. (laughs) Uh, hose myself a little bit I don't you've lost that excuse <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so.
0: the other cool thing is the universal nature of that molly strap that's something that I haven't really used a lot of I don't have a lot of gear that integrates with that but as I did some searching and looking around one of my the pack that I use for deer hunting actually has some some molly uh, like panels on it where I could do and I've never really looked at it but you get the sense that that's a very universal. Implication where people could go out if they already have a pouch or a pack or anything. I mean, you could go look anywhere and you got that Molly webbing on the hunt ready vessel. People could really kind of fine tune it to their exact specifications.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hey, Nick, the the kind of the, you know, we'd mentioned Pheasant Fest and, you know, why we strategically launched there. And, you know, we wanted to launch there because we knew we had the community there and we would get the feedback that we were wanting, um, you know, immediately but kind of this real moment talking, you know, about the flexibility of Molly and, you know, the, the 612 system that first beer has, um, you know, it, it was just totally surreal. Uh, I had sold the vest to a guy. He was ex military. Uh, I think four hours later, um, he's tagging us on Instagram and, uh, he's got his dog on his, on his tailgate and, uh, his, his brand new hunt ready pack. And he's taking a lot of kit that he had from the, uh, the military and strapped it on there. And I'm, I mean, it was, it was a surreal moment for me, but it was awesome too, to just see like these guys are, uh, you know, especially that's been military law enforcement that have some of this kit, they can just literally go leverage it. You know, they have a, a canteen holder. uh, They strap it right on and and you're in business. And then that was the other kind of the thing too, that, you know, we kind of had to draw the line. We knew some, some, pockets and pouches that we wanted to create that were near and dear to our heart. But um, how are we going to make the right pocket pouch for everybody in the community? And so a lot of things, uh, you know, that we've seen is uh, a lot of guys, especially the terrain, you know, they're carrying a sidearm into the field. Yeah. I don't want to get into the holster business. I can't, I can't make a holster for every Glock, Beretta, Smith and Wesson out there, whatever guys are carrying. It's like, there's a million you know, holsters out there that are way better than what I could create, go, go get you a Molly holster, slap it on our vest and you're good to go. So that was kind of, again, just another uh, feature to the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yep. I think that's, uh, that's definitely one of those unique things where that world, you know, upland hunting is a small niche when, when you look at it relative to everything else, but the tactical, tactical niche and the implications for Molly webbing stuff is so much greater than upland hunting. I mean, it really gives, gives people access to a lot more like specific products. They can go out and find exactly what they're looking for, which I think is cool. And I haven't even scraped the surface as far as looking at what options there are. I've checked out the first beer website and saw a bunch of their pockets. Cause I was really looking at my current vest with the idea that I, I really love it. I love the one that I have, but that there's some now having used it for six years, I've got some things that like, uh, I'd l- I would maybe like to have this here or carry this piece of gear here. And I could use a little bit of that customizability, which I think is pretty cool that hunt Ready's delivering that to people. Tell me about your vest specifically and how you have your hunt ready vest currently set up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Jared mentioned I'm a lofty. Um, and so, uh, I have mine set up around that aspect. Right. And, and I'm also the, uh, the current, uh, photographer for hunt ready. So, so don't, <laughs> upland community don't hold that against
2: us. Right. <laughs> I'm wearing a few hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, so, uh, I have, uh, on my right side, I have a, um, it's actually a, a first beer pouch. Um, that has a multi-divider in it. And I keep um, some extra camera batteries, uh, a few extra shells and my cell phone uh, in that right side. And then on the left side, I have one of our uh, 12 round rail pouches. Uh, So that's what I'm pulling from. Um, And, you know, as mentioned earlier, we hunt a lot of states where you're in different species, you know, or or could potentially run into, you know, multi-species. So. I have that rail pouch because, um, especially when we're in like Kansas and in Southern Nebraska, uh, Northern Missouri, uh, pheasant and quail are, are, you know, you don't really know sometimes when your dog's on point, what, what's going to be. So, so I'll line up, you know, a row of quail loads, like on the outside, and then a row of pheasant loads on the inside of that, you know, six and six. And so for me, it just works that way. Uh, I like having that organization and just knowing without looking, I can pull from whichever row, um, then running, you know, either anywhere from one to two dogs in the field at all times. I've got a couple of water bottle pouches. Um, I've got one, actually one water bottle is on my belt on my right side. So I can just easily access and pull that. And then I've got another water bottle that's on the, on the left side, on the back. Um, that's just kind of a refill bottle. Um, and then I have a, I actually have a hydration bladder for me attached to the very rear panel. Um, and so always got plenty of water. Um, yeah. And then, um, I've got a, um, just a multi-purpose kit on the back that has just some, oh, like a boar snake, a little bit of gun oil, like a, a couple small little picks and tools, you know, just in case quick gun repair type stuff. Um, yeah. And then in the permanent storage, printed out copy of license, you know, the standard extra set of gloves, you know, nothing major. Um, but that's how mine, mine set up.
0: Cool. How about you, Jared?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, um, I'm kind of a little bit different and unique to Heath. Uh, I either run kind of the rail, uh, yeah, the rail pouch, um, kind of in the same scenario, just depending on if it's a, a, a multi-species, uh, type of hunt and, But then I also kind of like our form flat pouch. That was one that was near and dear to my heart because of the fact of, you know, uh, several places we get opportunities to hunt private and public land. And, uh, you know, just I was always like having a vest set up that had steel in it and lead in it and, you know, swapping back and forth. Well, the form flat pouch allowed me to just kind of keep my uh, loads in the box, set it down inside with the flap open, and then I could easily switch back out and put it back in my ammo can, you know, when we're ready to kind of move on to a private field or whatever. So, uh, that one's typically on there. Um, uh, and then I've got like a first aid kit on the very back panel, uh, an an extra large, uh, water bottle holster on the side for dogs. And then I got a personal, uh, uh, smaller water holster, for me, just so I don't drink out of the dog's water, which is something that happens from time <laughs> to time. But, uh, and then, you know, I've just got like a, kind of a standard, uh, Molly, um, you know, Velcro patch on the patch on the back. That's got an Oklahoma flag and, you know, a back the blue, uh, patch on it. And it's something that if I need to add some more water or something in the field, I can easily detach it and put another extra large water holster on or or whatever. And then inside it's kind of the same story. I've got some, you know, loose gloves, license, uh, you know, extra earplugs if my ears start ringing and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah.
0: Where are you guys and, or where have you seen others attaching their transmitters? You know, your Garmin Alphas, your, your dog training transmitters and your GPSs. where are, where are those good spots to attach those on a hunt ready vest
1: yeah so so every vest uh just comes with a um it's basically a um a D ring with a velcro slip on it and and you can weave that into any anywhere on the vest that has that laser cut uh material you can weave that through and 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 essentially put a D ring in right so okay. it could be in front of a pouch on your right hip or it could be behind, you know, your shell pouch on your left hip or, or, you know, really wherever you want it. I personally, I don't like to have, I run, I run a Garmin alpha, um, mainly, uh, and I, I don't like to have that up like on my shoulders, you know? Um, yeah. I know a lot of guys do that and that's fine. Um, um, we do have the capability of that. I mean, there's a there's a webbing loops up there, right? So some of the guys in our group do run them that way, right? On their non-shooting shoulder, they'll just clip it in up high. And um, I personally just attach a, a carabiner clip to you know my alpha and just clip it on a D ring on my right side. Um, and I actually set it back quite a ways so it's not. I, I don't I don't like it banging on my hip or any you know my thigh or anything like that. So I I set mine up back a little ways. That's how I run mine. How about you, Jared?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't actually run a GPS unit right now. Um, I'm probably gonna have to switch that real quick with this new dog. (laughs) So, So, uh, that's going to be kind of a new realm for me, but, uh, you know, right now, um, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I just really don't like any obstructions across the shoulder area. So I run mine down on my left hip at this point, but, uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll, we're going to make some investment in some, some new callers here shortly. So we'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's cool. I, I, that's a question that's kind of of interest to me because I, I've got a, I guess a fairly high tech or I guess you could say redundant uh, dog training system when I'm in the field, I shouldn't say training, but tracking and tracking and locating. Um, I've got a, I, I have a Garmin alpha, but then I also have a dog Um, Collar, and so I I like to have my dog trail, which controls my beeper and stuff. And this is mainly built on hunting in the grouse woods. But I have that on the front of my belt, which I really like. My Garmin Alpha, I used to always have that accessible. Now I no longer need it accessible because I don't use it for training. It's tracking only, and I've got one of the Garmin watches, so I could pretty much squirrel that Garmin Alpha. I'd want to be able to get at it, but I could squirrel it away somewhere. And again, the customizability would be key there. I could stash it behind a pocket or something just to kind of get it out of my way the other the other thing that i think is cool especially you know i i do uh, for the past couple years i've done two very contrasting hunts where i spend a lot of time in the grouse woods where profile matters and this is something i talked to heath about trying to maintain as slim of a profile as i can just to help me getting through the cover and sometimes things like water bottle holders and stuff can can widen that profile. So the ability to change up how you're carrying water and doing things a little bit differently is something that I'd been thinking about even prior to seeing the hunt ready vest. Um, but then you go, then I go out West and hunt, I'm hunting sharp tails early season where water's like the paramount priority. Got to have enough water. And right. I'm not really concerned about my profile. So at that point, throwing on the bottle holders, putting in a bladder and everything, the ability to beef up your water supply is, is comes in handy. I mean, do you guys, change up the vest based on locale and what you're doing different pursuits
1: at times I, I have, I have pulled the, uh, hydration bladder off. Right. Yep. You know, and, uh, if I'm running one dog and it's going to be more of a, Hey, we're going to go hit this patch of public. Right. And then we're going to move to the net. Na- you know, if I know we're going to be kind of truck hopping, right. Um, you know, it's easy to jerk the hydration off and then just carry one, a Nalgene bottle, for me and one of my bottle holders and, and then, a, you know, the your traditional kind of squirt bottle or whatever for the dog and the other. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do some, um, not extensively. Um, sure. but, but it's nice to have the ability, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and you mentioned this earlier about, you know, um, early season or even preseason, right. Going to the, the, to the range, shooting plays, yeah. stuff like that. You know, once I get used to my shell pouch options, I don't really switch those up much just because it's, right. it's it, muscle memory, right, gets there. So um, for me, I don't really switch that up very much.
0: Yeah, I could I can see where I'm, I'm kind of answering my own question in the sense that we keep hitting on this customizability. Once you get it dialed in to where you want it, apart from a few – specific needs that you might have, you're going to, you're going to keep it mainly the same, but you've, you've already have the ability to get it exactly where you need it because, and then through trial and tribulation in the field, you can, you can adjust it as you go. So
1: yeah, it's all about dialing it in. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, let's talk about sizing real quick. Are there different sizes of the hunt ready vest? How does that, how does that play out?
1: Yeah. So out of the gate, we had a couple of belt sizes, um, just a regular belt size and a, and a large belt size. Um, and we are in the works, uh, after, uh, getting some feedback and requests from, from the market, uh, uh, for a smaller belt. Um, so that's, that's in the works and should be launching relatively soon. Um, in terms of, and that's really the, the major, um, you know, when you go to, go to look at one and try and buy one, that, that's what you'll have to figure out, right? You know, waist size, yep. torso size. Um, And so from there, there's quite a bit of, of adjustability, you know, in terms of the harness, um, game pouch, lowering and raising it. Um, so there's not really a, at least right now, there's not really a, you know, a size to pick there. It's, it's mainly getting that belt dialed in. And as mentioned earlier, that's really the key, right? Is getting that weight where you want it distributed evenly and, and in the right place. So. Um, that that's the sizing structure that we have right now,
2: yeah, and I, and I'll just echo a little bit, you know once you get that waist fitted up and it, it loaded up, you know my challenge was is I'm kind of a long leg guy, short torso, and uh, so I needed a lot of adjustability you know for the torso height and we've you know that's that's people in general they're you know we're all made in different shapes and sizes, and so uh I think, you know, you get the belt where you need it at and, and just get it fitted for your waist size. And what we've seen is that, you know, the, the amount of adjustability for the torso that we, we have in the vest has allowed, uh, we literally did this at Pheasant Fest. There was a guy that came up and he was 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you, know, uh, you know, a man's man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he, he put it on and, and uh, it, it did have our large belt size on it. And his wife was standing next to him. And, uh, I said, here, let's, let's just fit you up. And I said, no, the, no, obviously the, the waist size is going to be wrong. But so, uh, we put it on her just it, you know, it, it, it went way down obviously, yep. but she's like, I can't believe this just came off of him. And so I think that was kind of uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, proof in the pudding that it, again, it's just getting that waist, uh, properly sized out. And then we have enough adjustability for people's torso size to get it really dialed in and locked in to, to a good fit for you. Yeah, for sure.
0: What else in, in this, you know, the last couple of months of these things being rolled out and people seeing them getting their hands on them, have there been any other key things that you've heard from, from consumers, key like features that they're requesting or seeing or things that they've been really happy with? I mean, what are you hearing from consumers?
1: Yeah, so in terms of of feedback or, or, or wants, right, um, we, we've we had requests on, on color options, right? Sure. So, um, which is in, in the works. Um, I've actually got a bunch of color swatches right here that I'm looking through uh, <laughs> to make some decisions on. Um, so you know, we hope to be able to provide the market with a, a you know, quote unquote, you know, non hunter orange option. Um, sure, uh, that was something that that which which I think we probably expected. Um, you know, uh, and then some variations on pockets and pouches, um, which again yep. we expected. Um, and you know, there was that point in time where you know we just had to put a pin on the calendar and say this is when we want to launch and what we can get in place by that date is what we're going to have. Right. Um, and so, you know, at Pheasant Fest, we, we had what we had. Um, and, and I, I think it was a, a fairly solid, um, uh, list of options, but, um, you know, we're, we're pursuing those, those requests that we've been getting, uh, around, um, you know, different pouch styles, options, color options, the small belt, this or a smaller belt option was something that, um, uh, has been noted. Um, and, and like I said, we actually, I have a prototype in hand that, um, we're tweaking a couple things, but, but that should be available pretty soon as well. Cool. Um, and, um, as Jared mentioned, you know, the, the sizing, my, my wife is, is fairly small. She's, um, you know, right around you well, know, uh right around five foot or so. Um yeah. she'll tell you a five, two or three, but you know, about five foot <laughs> and uh right about a twenty nine inch waist. Um and so that's really kind of the target we're trying to hit, right? Is that, you know, with the small belt and then I have confirmed, you know, it'll all tighten down and she can wear that and have the weight distributed and, and uh it'll work. So so that cool. I think was the big one in terms of you know, I, w- I don't want to call it a miss. It's just you know we didn't have that option out of the gate for some of those uh, folks that needed that small belt, but but it's coming.
0: Good deal. Um, are there other like when? So if people are asking about because this is one of the things that I was looking at, like the pocket, the different customization op- options around pockets and stuff. And I you know I completely understand that you guys don't want to like like Jared said, you're not going to provide a holster for every different kind of pistol and hang when other people are doing that. So people can go to the hunt ready w- website. They can check out the hunt ready vest. They can go to first spear mm-hmm. and look at some of the stuff that they have. Are there other like huge, um, outfits that are making this, these Molly style pockets and stuff that you're pointing people to, to go check out all the different things that they could potentially, um, add to their hunt ready vest.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So, so I haven't necessarily, you know, directed folks to, to specific vendors, but okay. here's the, here's the deal. There's, there's so many, um, sure. you know, even, even your army surplus stores, you know, if it, if it's standard, you know, a standard Molly option, um, which is essentially, um, And I I, I don't recall the exact measurement, but it it, it's the width of the strap or the width of the plastic um, that that slides through. Um, Okay. But it's it's pretty much going to be again, it's kind of the standard. So so the vast majority of your tactical uh, gear makers, um, and and if you just if you just Google, you know, Molly pouches or Molly pockets or or even tactical you know, even using that word, I think you'll, you'll be surprised at just how much there is out there.
0: Yeah. Throwing back a little bit to the, this was something that I I actually kind of forgot to ask earlier when you were testing these vests and come, you know, prototyping and trying to obviously ultimately arrive at the one you would bring to market. Were there any sort of, I guess, blooper moments or any things that you tried that just like completely didn't work? Things that that stick out in your mind through that process that ultimately got you to the the vest that you have now?
1: Well, Nick, I mean, and honestly, those were all Jared's ideas. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of things that hit the cutting room floor a long time ago. Um, <laughs> you know, we tried some different technologies, um, that, um, you know, might be something we pursue down the road, but I think it was just, there was going to be so much of a lead time, right. To come up with real solutions to problems or things that would resonate. Um, you know, we decided to set those aside. Um, one thing that I thought would be, um, I'm a bigger guy. Um, and, uh, you know, having Jared had mentioned earlier, you know, that, that having nothing in front of him and wanting that, you know feeling that you know everything's open in front of you mm-hmm. um I, I definitely get that um from a uh, i don't want anything up on my shoulders you know no gps units or anything like that but i thought it might be cool to have have a vest that you know had more of a, a an area in the very front right i mean um almost like you know sometimes you'll see on turkey rigs or or or, or similar to like a traditional um I'll call it a traditional upland vest, right. That zips in the front or something, right. And have the attachability yeah. up front. Um, it just, for me at least, and I think, you know, Jared can speak for his thoughts, but, but that was one of the the iterations or, or a different prototype that we tried. And it was just, it was just too difficult to get that weight stabilized and, 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 and it was just too much, You know, when you tried to really plow through some of that cover and even though everything was right up front, it was super nice and handy. It just, it just didn't work. I mean, that was one of the things I remember, Jared.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, where do you draw the line at? I mean, to, to your point, Heath, and, uh, you can hang a a million things, pocket pouches off of you, but are they really needed? And so it was just trying to figure out where the balance was at and still keep it, you know, I, I want to obviously have my gear um, and feel like the, uh, you know, pack is attached to you and it moves with you as you're, you know, again, plowing through a cattail slew or whatever it is, going through the woods that it's not flopping all over you, that it, it doesn't feel like, you know, it just feels a part of you, I guess. And, you know, just, I'm a feel guy. I don't know how else to explain that. If it feels good, then it, it just, and that's kind of what we settled on. I was like, this feels good to me. And I don't know how else to better explain that than that. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And the, and the platform, you know, that, that, uh, first beer created, I mean, once you get those pouches where you want them and get them attached, they have a very sewn on feel, right? It's not, they don't slide and move and right there's none right. of that that goes on um and so like jared was saying i mean some of those first designs it was just too i don't know just too um non-technical here right word but clunky didn't feel right you know sure um so so some of those things we had to overcome
0: yeah cool yeah i, I mean i'll throw this in like a if there's anybody listening that has not tried one of these strap vests that, you know, the goal is to have a really well-fitted waist belt to get the weight there centered and distributed, and then you have you – got your shoulder straps, which are kind of holding things in place, but they're not bearing a lot of the load. You know, I used – before I had a bird dog, I used to hunt with – you know maybe you're more traditional pick it up off the rack kind of shoulder vest sort mm-hmm. of thing and i mean i couldn't imagine hunting with one of those today with the <laughs> amount of gear that i carry and sometimes i carry too much gear yep. but that's only because the the good quality vests out there make that possible and but I couldn't imagine hunting with one of those anymore because it would be swinging around and waving. And again, having, like Jared said, having that, like you feel like you're one unit, all your gear is right there. I mean, that's, that's an important part of logging mile after mile out in the uplands. So again, if anybody hasn't tried one of these vests, I would, I would seriously encourage you to beg, borrow, or, you know, don't steal, but (laughs) you could get one and try it because I think you'd be surprised at, at how much better, how much better you can, have your gear set up and actually carry it. And, you know, this is talked about often when people talk about upland gears, one piece of gear might weigh a couple of pounds, but take 10,000 steps a day. And that poundage adds up. Right. So your efficiency in loading and carrying that gear is really important as far as how you're going to feel at the end of the day. And I'm sure you guys would, would wholeheartedly agree with that, which is why you, why you invented a yeah, like this.
1: We may be a little bit biased, but <laughs> yeah, it is a game a changer. Um, and, and I do understand also. It, it you know it may not be for everyone, right? I mean, not yeah. everyone's going to go out and and cover the kind of miles that that I think we you know cover in um, numerous others in the uplands, right? Um, but you know that's the cool thing about the market too, uh, Nick. You and I talked about this you know a little bit um, at Pheasant Fest and um, you know offline, but 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 it's pretty cool time to be an uplander you know, there's a lot of cool products coming out and, and, and even competitors with us, but, and that's great, right? Competition's a good thing. Um, and, uh, I'm excited to, to be a part of it, to be honest. I mean, that's the, that's the thing for me, I think is just, you know, it, it, it it genuinely is a passion. Uh, I, I love to upland hunt. I love the dogs. I, you know, my daughter's following me. Um, you know, and interestingly enough, she is she's actually named after my great grandma that, that took me into the field all those years ago. Um, and cool. so for me, it's kind of a big full circle, and to just have a small part in it, you know, producing a vest that, that's going to resonate with some folks and, and seeing that out in the field is it's 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 pretty cool. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, one other question here before we before we wrap this up. Uh, this is something that is often discussed. When you were talking gear, Upland Gear, durability, can you guys speak to the the quality and the durability nature of the materials that are used in this vest? Because I have a feeling that the materials were not chosen at random.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and and that's a that's a great question. You know, we've talked a lot about the configurability of the platform and and some of the things that that offers, right? But yeah. but durability. Was definitely something that that we targeted <clears throat> as far as um, uh, the the material and the approach that we took, and and <clears throat> the, the the material that that we're using um, on the vest is is a patented material well, um, that that First Spear came up with, and you know, for us, uh, at least for me, you know, when we sit down and and, and talked with First Spear and got our hands on samples of the product you know one of the things that they did you know they would throw us a sample of all the of of the laser cut fabric and just say go ahead i mean give it a whirl try and tear it right tweak it torque it however you want yeah. um and it's pretty remarkable um and at the end of the day i mean i figure if you know guys like the navy seals are using it and you know us marshals and you know different different agencies like that around the globe um there's got to be something to it right Uh, And then we've proven that out, obviously, just, you know, on our own field testing and things of that nature. And so um, it's extremely durable and, and it's something that we'll, you know, we'll stand behind as well as uh, first spear stands behind. So, so proud of, proud of that aspect for sure.
2: Yeah. And I, and I think one of the other things that I just quickly want to touch on too is, you know, one of the design elements for us is we wanted to build something that was, you know, made and sourced in the U S and so that was a key component too. So, you know, when you're, when you're looking at our vest, it is hundred percent, you know, uh, you know, sourced and, and made in the U S. And so even down to the thread is, is what they call very compliant. So um, just again, it's, it, it's, it's handcrafted with pride and, and uh, that was just something that we wanted to make sure that we were building as durable vests as we possibly could.
1: Yeah. Great point.
2: Awesome.
0: Um, all right, guys. Well, let's, have each of you um any final thoughts and then make sure we get make sure we get where should people go where can they see these vests where can they get a look at them where can they pre-order them um where can they follow you on social media all that stuff jared have that yeah you.
2: just uh thanks for having us on if obviously you can go check out the vest at uh you know hunt ready r-e-d-i dot com uh you can follow us on instagram at hunt dot ready and uh yeah just uh Uh, send us a message. If you have any questions, uh, thoughts, comments, we, we love the feedback from the community. Uh, we're receiving, uh, lots of messages and we're obviously going through, uh, people's feedback with the fine tooth comb, trying to figure out how our product uh, we can make it, you know, as best as it possibly can to serve our community.
1: Yeah, no, Nick, thank you for the opportunity. Genuinely appreciate it. It's, it's, uh, it's been a good time. Hopefully this was helpful and informative to folks. Um, but as Jared mentioned, like, if you got any questions, uh shoot us a note, um hit the website, check us out on Instagram. Um I try and keep up with questions and comments uh on Instagram as well. So um if we can help in any way, let us know and um uh look forward to look forward to um seeing a few of our vests in the uplands this fall. It's exciting.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, I'm, I have no doubt that we will we will be seeing some hunt ready vests in the field this fall. Uh, that's for sure. want to pre- want to thank you guys for joining me on this episode of the podcast. And like I mentioned to you, Heath and and Jared, I mean, again, you guys are bird hunters trying to bring something to the upland hunting community that you value. It's it was your idea of what the you know quote unquote perfect vest would be if if we could ever get to a perfect vest but it's a it's a step in that direction and and that gets me excited and i think it gets the listeners excited too when people like you deliver something to the market for upland bird hunter so thanks for what you're doing i wish you guys the best of luck with everything this year and and uh i'm sure our paths will cross again soon so thanks guys appreciate it thank you nick thanks nick take Take care That's it for this episode of the Project Dublin Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Quick reminder, the Project Dublin Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonubo Premium Performance Dog Food, Gumleaf USA, CZ USA, Turnbull Restoration, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Don't forget, you could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway. All you have to do is leave us a rating, leave the podcast a review in your podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, or send us some feedback or guest suggestion. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode.